Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around, you're in the right place. Well, hey, we've got a great show for you guys today. Uh, I've got the founder of Dash CMA, Karen Abram, talking about, well, CMAs. Now, the the normal status quo is that the agent goes in the office, they, they print out a whole bunch of listings off the MLS, and then they start manually trying to figure out, hey, what is my client's home potentially worth? And they show up to the house with some paperwork and, and things and try to convince the seller of, hey, this is probably the range of which your price should or shouldn't, you know, will likely sell for. Now, Karen has kind of taken that old approach and then modernized it, put it to a very visual and interactive platform that is Dash CMA. And I've gotten a demo of the product and it really is really cool. I wish I would have had this as an agent. I probably would have done better. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know if I, I had any saving grace there. But anyway, uh, Dash CMA is what we're talking about. And we even get into other topics that I didn't plan on discussing, like should or shouldn't there be a national MLS and I, I really liked what Karen had to say about that as we were discussing her growth strategy and also some friction that comes with growing nationally with such a product. So kick back, relax. You're going to enjoy it. Well, hey, Karen, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so glad you could join, uh, join me here today. I know it's a Saturday and being willing to brave and go at it. Uh, we're live streaming again today on Facebook. Uh, so let's, let's hopefully nothing, nothing goes wrong. <laughs> this, so this is officially the first, this will be the first interview I live stream. So people will get to see really, do I know what I'm talking about or, or am I totally clueless here? So anyway, um, as with tradition, I'd love to get it started, right? Please go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. I am Karen Abram. I am the founder of Dash CMA. All right. And we're going to talk all about uh, what you've been working on, what's going on, and uh, starting off with, uh, maybe you could summarize for us all first, what's the big problem you're trying to solve? So the big problem I'm trying to solve is that the traditional 60 plus page comparable market analysis, CMA, is not simple. It's not transparent. It doesn't do enough to empower the agent. It's not visual. It doesn't let the client, the buyer or seller have that aha moment for pricing. So I'm trying to, in one dashboard report, in very clear visual, help the buyers and sellers have that aha moment and empower the agent to tell the story with data. Okay, now I've done some CMAs in my day. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually looked like uh, printing off a whole bunch of sheets off the MLS. I would get some, you know, current, I'd get some pending, I'd get some closed deals. Why is that a thing of the past? Why do we need a new tool to help us do this? Because agents have been doing CMAs for as long as we've been selling real estate, right? Right. Um, I mean, what you pretty much described is I would equate to the phone book. It's like the yellow pages. It's a <laughs> back and it is basically property after property after property, the same way you would flip through a phone book. And we don't flip through phone books anymore. Everything's digital and interactive. So yeah. our CMAs should be too. So that yeah. I do think we're a more modern version on your traditional uh, 60 plus page report. 
Yeah, and I suppose you could take the uh, environmental approach, like we're killing less trees. But I see what you're saying. Like we don't—that's clearly a way of the past, right? So now, um, maybe you could walk me through here because uh, while I'm not selling real estate actively as an agent anymore, you know, I stay in tune to what's out there, and I totally see the application here. What are some of the most utilized feature sets that? Agents, you know, the moment they sign in and create an account with Dash CMA that they can take advantage of and, you know, really takes their ability to present to, to buyers and sellers in a much uh, greater capacity or even an unfair advantage over other agents not using Dash CMA. So I think first and foremost, it's a it can be a collaborative process. And that's what agents notice first, that it's something that you can do alongside your buyer or seller. So for me, I am an agent as well. There's nothing more powerful than saying to your buyer, this is a huge decision for you. It's a lot of your money. Would you like me to build this with you so that you can really understand how aggressive or conservative your price is? Same on a seller, to be able to say to them, you're going to be approached by so many different agents on what top dollar really is. I want you to understand what it is. Why don't we build it together? So it's very conducive to doing that because I don't need to toggle back and forth with the MLS to find my listings. Mm -hmm. I have one search that I clear that will automatically pull in best practice values to get you started. And then it outlines everything in a really clean visual. So one of the top to your question, question about what are some of the features people are commenting on the most, the visual of picture one scale where you can really highlight the properties that are, uh, that you want to stand out and you can put all of those on top. And then on the bottom, you can show public estimates. You can show trends for active pending or close. So the highest, lowest, average, median, closest, um, most recent, the how features affect pricing, having a pool versus not having a pool, flags, properties too large or too small. So you have this really big picture that you're getting very a very clear view of where the outliers are and where you have a lot of dense support. So I'd say the scale, scale, the search process, the collaboration, and most recently, um, we launched an interactive link of the report where okay. you can share a report link with your client Mm -hmm. The client can fully play with the report. They can click around. They can explore it. As they're exploring it, their actions are relayed back to the agent so that it's still that collaborative process. The agent knows where the in their buyer's and seller's interest is within that report. So you, you beat me to it. I wanted to ask you about that because I know that you had just recently launched a new feature. <laughs> <laughs> You jump right to it. So, I mean, that, that's great. And so, um, yeah, so a, a lot of that sounds like really what you're doing is, I mean, it's a much better visual. I mean, yeah, if you've been doing this for 30 years, you've got a gut feeling on a lot of stuff. But as much as we like to believe like we've got our feelings in check and we're not swayed, you know, when you were giving me a demo of the product and you were showing me how it really displays on a scale, like I can clearly see where properties lie um, you know, obviously this is, um, this, there's a few ideal use cases of that visual and, and talk about collaborative with, you know, your client. What are some of like the really, you know, high value use cases that, you know, once an agent is using this, okay, it's going to be faster. It looks better, but how do they use this with their clients? Walk me through some of this. So two use cases. One, the story. 
story of how, what, how I started to create it is on the buyer's side. So that buyer who wants to kind of throw in a lowball offer and see what happens. <laughs> and you're thinking what's going to happen is you're not going to get a counter and you're not going to get the home. Right. So, and you're trying to help understand that the home is, is way below market. So it's great to be able to show them that, listen, the home is priced over here when really all the other homes that are similar and comparable are priced over here and really show them then how long, um, how frequently homes like this come on the market in this neighborhood at what price points. And you can show that and really help them understand so that they don't play a game and lose the home that they want Mm -hmm. for a seller angle. Sellers are approached by agents with what top dollar is um, the whole time. <laughs> That's so, the key term. Yeah, that, that is always turned around. Dollar, right. Top dollar. <laughs> yeah. So I can go into a listing presentation, suggest that you list your home for 700000 I might work, you know, spend hours drilling into the market information and coming up with that. Meanwhile, another agent can walk in and say, I've done a lot of sales in this area and I think I can get you 800,000. And now I have to make a case, not for why I think it's worth 700,000, but also why I think 800,000 is not the right um, price point. So for a seller angle, that's really important for them to understand so that the last, the worst thing would be that they accept to list at Mm 700,000 and they feel that they are compromising. I want them to be excited if we list at 700 and I get them a deal for 700, I don't want them disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's helping them understand what top dollar is and it really shows that. I mean, and so I've been in this scenario. So let, let, let's not ignore this one because this is going to come up. Okay. Right. So you're sitting with the client and client says, you know, I had realtor John down the street. He mm-hmm. said, he said my house should sell for 750. You're telling me it's 700. Zillow says it's worth 770. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Okay. So walk me through how this is a tool to handle. Zillow says my house is worth fill in the blank. So it's like you've been in the room with me. Uh, so, um, I've been, so, this is a real life scenario when I'm throwing at you. So you're right because every agent has had this happen to them where yeah. they go into a listing appointment. They say we should list for 700 for let's keep 700. <laughs> And they say, the agent I met with before you suggested 800000 Yeah. And then, what, so what our tool does is it shows, you can say, well, why don't we plug in 800000 so you can see what that looks like. So now, picture that scale again, and you'll see 800000 sitting on an island. And you can easily point out, hey, did the other agent mention that at 800000 you're about 150000 over the highest closed comp? So yeah. we're going to have a difficult time with an appraisal. Did they also mention that you're about 150000 over what homes that are 50% larger than yours in this neighborhood, same bed count, are going for? No, of course not, because you have to run multiple reports to tell that story in your other tools. So after I get a couple no's, or even if it's, well, Zillow said, okay, well, here, I looked at Zillow too. Here's mm-hmm. Zillow's estimate, but I also considered five other public estimates. And now they're all on the scale mm-hmm. and say, I looked, I looked at Zillow, but rather than leaning into only one factor, I'm looking at the big picture. And the big picture is showing that Zillow is a bit of an outlier in this case. Mm-hmm. But 
more you can help show that and show the big picture of all the data in one view versus flipping through pages and requiring them to remember and retain all this information, the better. And then you end it with, I want you to understand what top dollar is. Would you like me to build this with you? Right. And you're bringing them in and letting them understand versus saying, trust me, I do a lot of sales in this area. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously this, and also you're able to give it to your sellers in this scenario, like say, Hey, you know, they can look at the data themselves and say, where do you think is the best place? You know, I, I think that was one of the scripts we used to use but it was like, you know, where do you think that your home would fall on this spectrum here? Cause then they have to really look at it and say, well, okay, I see what you're saying. You know, it, I can't price it all the way out there. It, it, nothing else is sold out there. And, you know, and, they will leave their house is special, which everyone's house is special. Sure it is. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> there's a moment where you have to come back and look at the data. And I feel like that's uh, an interesting thing. And I, I like the fact that you're doing that because it's very uh, consumer centric in that it, it's got to empower the agent to give the right information to the consumer. I am interested in, you know, so um, following some of the trends of like how tools are making their ways to agents. It seems mm-hmm. like there's a few different strategies to go. You can go directly to the individual agent, you can go to the team, or you can go to the brokerage and sell, you know, those three different tiers is how you can sell those tools. Which of those have you chosen as your, your route to your end user? And then, you know, maybe talk me through why you've decided that's the right route to go. Um, all of them. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so want to make sure that it's accessible on all levels. So the agent can come to the dash CMA.com. They can sign up directly. Uh, the teams, we have offers that start at, um, a team of two. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have offers that scale all the way up to when you have over 2000 agents. So we sell to the brokerage, the team, the agent want to make sure that it's accessible on all ends. Yeah. so right now, the common theme in the industry is how are you differentiating yourself? And mm-hmm. if we're, this is definitely one of those ways to stand out, to differentiate yourself and want to make sure that if the office isn't on board or the brokerage isn't on board, but the agent wants to use it, that they can. Yeah. And then, yeah. 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 I mean, obviously you walk in with a report, you know, whether it's on your iPad or you print it off and it's got that bright orange on it, it's going to stand out. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. I stand out. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, you know, obviously, so, uh, and I've been following this, um, you know, kind of loosely, but you know, it, it seems like the trend really is teams, you know, because, and from my analysis of it, it's very difficult for a brokerage to push tech tool adoption down through the brokerage because they're not really in charge of those agents. Mm-hmm. Whereas the team is kind of an agreed upon. Are you seeing that as well from your perspective? Cause you're, yeah. you're working with them and, and do you think that that's going to continue, you know, teams are really going to be the future for agents in their careers? Yeah, I think teams is definitely depending on um, where you are in getting started. Absolutely. It could be a great route to mm-hmm. help either kickstart your career or help kind of give it that extra boost. But I would say for us, um, if I walk into a brokerage and say, Hey, I have a CMA, they're going to say, I do too. (laughs) It's not, that's really, um, a harder conversation, but where we have been more successful is the agent that has started to use the tool. Mm. They're then telling their team, they're telling their brokerage, Hey, this is really helping me one, save a lot of time Two, look super thorough and professional. Yeah. And it's helping me get deals. 
So with that third bell, when that rings, that's when it's suddenly we should expand this to the rest of our team or to the rest of our brokerage. But I don't feel that we've had brokerages adopting it. And as an intro to the agents, it's more the agents are introducing us to their brokerage, which has been pretty awesome. I mean, that's the Slack strategy. That's how Slack has yeah. you know, pulled a lot of corporations in uh, with their pro deals. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that that totally makes a lot of sense. But you hit on a key point here. I have this discussion with plenty of people you know, over the last year or so, and you said it helps agents get the deal. Mm-hmm. And I've had, most of them have been with people who are getting into the marketing side of, of real estate. You know, they're trying to do lead gen for realtors or find, uh, you know, mm-hmm. on off-market deals and, you know, trying to resell or arbitrage it back. And they ask, you know, hey, what do you know? Like, what what's some good ways to get start? And I always come back to, hey, look, if you're not helping get to the deal, get the deal done, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how cool the tech is. You right. know, I don't want to get lost up in that, you know, so getting to that deal. Do, have you been able to do any sort of... Um, breakdowns or analysis with some of your customers to find out if like there's a higher closing rate or uh, anything along those lines when they use uh, a dash CMA versus, you know, say printing one off the MLS. Yeah. So we're actually starting those right now because we're only in about six months. (laughs) So (laughs) so we're starting to gather, you know, what those case studies are with those conversion rates and so forth. And yes, we've had, you know, I had an agent even reach out just the other day. Just she sent me a very a text message letting me know that um, she was grateful for the tool because it helped her, uh, it helped her get business in an area that there's another agent who is the lead agent for that farm, and she felt they were throwing out a much a price that was too high, and she used this to help show that and to get that deal. So. We have individual um, testimonials and case studies, but yes, we are just starting to um, put together what those numbers are. But I will say I do demos every single week. I build a CMA from start to finish and it takes me 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. That, that, I mean, that, that itself right there, I mean, that's fast. So for example, even if your client said, asked you a simple question, if they said, I have an amazing view with my property or I have a pool. What's the value in me having a pool versus the other comps in the area that don't? Yep. If in any other tool, you have to run two reports just to answer that question. So the fact that you don't need to do that on ours um, cuts down time. And we have calculated it out. You would have to currently run over 30 reports to get the same perspective from one search. So it's definitely a time saver. And if you're saving time and building your CMA, it's time you can be using in prospecting yeah. or door knocking, whatever the case is to help you get business. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, oh man, door knocking, that brings back some memories. <laughs> I was never good at it. For I'm me. terrible at it. Yeah, horrible. The first time I went door knocking, actually, I knocked on the door and they said, actually, I would be interested. Would you like to come in? And my first thought was, no, you're a stranger. I don't <laughs> yeah, but you were knocking on their door. <laughs> I don't think I'm great at door knocking. Yeah. So. I, I, I've met some agents that are phenomenal at that. Um, I like to stay away from, I, I realized after um, being in the business for, it's still a very short amount of time that I sold. And I realized as a working in the residential um, uh, portion of real estate was just not my cup of tea. I wasn't, wasn't fit for it. I don't understand the value of granite countertops. I just don't get it. 
I want to know how big the garage is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so okay, let's keep moving here. So um, you, you guys have only been at it for about you said, six months, right? Yeah, we launched in, I guess seven. We launched in uh, April 3rd, to mm-hmm. be exact. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's good. Don't, don't, don't launch on April 1st. No one will believe yeah. you. Okay, so um, have you taken an approach of like going straight nationwide? Or are you focusing on any specific markets throughout the U.S.? Uh, to to gain density and adoption? So we started by focusing on just the, pretty much the CRMLS and Carrots MLS markets. So your South and Regional, your Ventura County, basically all of the MLSs that uh, have a data share with CRMLS in this area in Los Angeles. Yep. And our approach has been to um, expand where there's interest. So it's funny actually, because my marketing team and I just had this conversation where Pre-launch, we had a very strategic, flushed-out plan <laughs> for exactly how we were going to expand. We yep. knew, we looked at, we could tell exactly the rhyme and reason for each. And then that kind of went out the window when we had, you know, when we started to do, we went to Inman Connect, and we had brokerages coming up, MLS is coming up, and saying, we're in this area, and yeah. we use it. Well, you're next. So it's been... <laughs> So it's been that approach of going where that there is that interest and yeah. letting us drive it. So, but if anyone is looking for a very sound strategic approach on how to expand, I do have that. We're not you do doing anything <laughs> with it. <laughs> but so, yeah. so I'm curious though. So each market you go into, do you have to join that MLS to be yes. able to use that data? Okay, so it's a very expensive move. If you there. There are national resources with a caveat to it, with a huge asterisk. So if you use a national resource, your data is going to be limited in one way or another. Mm-hmm. So, and we did over, we did a ton of focus groups um, with agents, investors, developers, recent buyers, recent sellers, members of the MLS, members of the tech industry. And one of the biggest gripes of real estate agents was when they're building a CMA, it's not matching what they see in their MLS. So we really want to make sure that we hit on that pain point. Here's what I mean by that. If they built a CMA in a tool, the tool would show them there's four active, but then they go to their MLS and build the same CMA and it'll show six actives. So we didn't want to require them to have to go back and forth to their MLS to find the comps. So we want to make sure we are adequately pulling in all results. So for us, it is a necessity to work with the MLS and not um, go national with a huge asterisk of how are you missing data? Yeah. And that's a very important piece. I mean, this is something that, you know, obviously uh, consumer facing apps oftentimes have a lag on some data depending on which one they're using. And so there's a lot of, you know, this is, this is why the agent relies so heavily on the MLS because it's as close to the actual source of the information as possible. You know, aside from the tax records, but that's a whole nother thing. And we all know that they're not right 100% yep. of the time either. So I mean, you guys are painstakingly going to have to join and work with those MLSs and those partnerships. Um, I would love to hear from your perspective, because obviously there's sometimes this comes up in discussion of, should we have a national MLS? Curious your thought, would that be a good thing or not such a good thing? And, and I mean, a good thing for... Uh, agents, and then also good thing for consumers. So I do think, I do think there should be a national MLS. 
but I think you should be able to filter by the criteria that is relevant for your market as well and have that lens. So one thing we've, I've noticed very, very quickly as you start to expand MLSs is the data is not standardized at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. What, um, so what we refer to as a condo, for example, would not be referred to as a condo in other areas. So yep. just, in, but yet if you put me in front of that building, I'm going to call it a condo, but everyone else in that area is going to say, that's a high rise. It's not a condo. I'm like, same thing. So <laughs> I just call three flats here and I'm just like triplex. Right. It's a triplex. So, yeah. So yeah. to me, I feel that it should be national from the, app, from the angle that if, if I have a relationship with a client, mm-hmm. I should be able to help them in their home search anywhere. Yeah. Um, but I should also be able to be, to see the vernacular and the, you know, the skew of wherever that market is mm-hmm. and have a national representation that's able to pivot in a way to show me that specific market, uh, their data. Yeah. So yes, but I also kind of put shades of no in that it's <laughs> be pivotable. I mean, that makes sense. And I think that, I don't think it's a simple answer because they're, they're like, you know, who structures it, who polices it, who maintains it, you know, how's the cost? Is it, you know, representative of the local or, and you know, there's, there's a lot of caveats to that. Um, I didn't have this question planned. So that was one of those curveballs I promised you would probably come along. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> Working with the MLSs. So you're, you're already experiencing the friction of there not being a national MLS. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> you can't expand. The data is different, so every market you go to, if it's a different structure, just on condos, you right. have to be able to build and make sure the product can adapt to that. Well, not only that, but you also have non-disclosure. Um, so you have areas where they're not reporting bed count, for example, and you have to kind of get around that. I'm sorry. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Right. So. Uh, and that's more on the tax record side of things. So mm-hmm. you have to make sure that your tool can adapt for every nuance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not as easy when someone says, here's, you can have our data because we want to get live quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. I have to make sure where are those nuances? And they're not always where you would expect them to be. Bed count took me by surprise for a moment. <laughs> it's so weird at looking at rentals in, uh, and, and even multifamily in Chicago, they, they advertise the number of rooms. They don't, yeah. so I'm used to in the Northwest, you know, we just do by, you know, a three, two is a three bedroom, two bath, but then right. here, and that's what you lead with is bedroom count, bathroom count, but here you lead with room count. And so I'll see a five room house and look at right. that. It's so weird. And then I realize it's five rooms, one bedroom and like, Oh, well then, okay. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Slight Speaking nuances. Five, this is a five, it's a five bed and it's only, you know, you're looking at 1,200 square feet. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it's, we haven't talked about costs. What does it cost uh, an agent? What's it cost a team to, to be able to, you know, sign up? To the agent, it's $15 a month. Or if they sign up for the year, it's $144 for the year. Drops that monthly price down to $12. We do have a mandatory free trial. And the reason I say it's mandatory is try it out. I want to make sure you like it. We are changing it um, every three to four weeks. We're adding new things to it for that. um, And it's a 15-day free trial. 
except we have we are in the CRMLS and South and Regional Marketplace. So as a benefit to being a CRMLS or South and Regional agent or user, I should say, mm-hmm. you have a 30-day free trial instead of a 15-day trial. For teams, it depends on the sizing. Our, we have deals that scale starting at two agents that start at $10 a month, all the way up to once you cross that 2,000 agent point, we're at a dollar per agent. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, a brokerage really gets us at an affordable rate for, right. for agents across my offices. That's pretty cool. It makes a lot of sense to be able to do that, um, you know, obviously as part of a, a growth mechanism. I know that you, you've only been doing this now for seven months, but one of my favorite questions I ask people who come on the show is, you know, as you're, as you're experimenting and obviously in startup mode, there's, there's iterations on a weekly basis. Is there anything that you started either developing or building and you realize, hey, this doesn't make sense for us to do this or that's totally the wrong direction and you had to kind of quickly pivot or, or change direction that you can share? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like where to even start on that? Um, so I, we have, when we plotted it all out of, the developments that we're going to be doing every three to four weeks before we even launched, we knew we have about three years of work ahead of us. Mm -hmm. So when we put it all out, um, it was very difficult for me to launch when we did, because for me, I, and I still, I look at the tool and it's not complete, but it's not complete because I know what I want to add to it. It's just going to take time to add that to it. And we want to make sure we're getting responses along the way. So, but yes, I think there's learning curves along the way, making sure you're working with the right people is one. We did start, uh, we worked with uh, one side developers. We started over with another side. So mm. it's, a, it's a huge learning curve as you're doing it. iBuyers came, became a huge presence as we started. So we're thinking through that incorporation of it and making sure that it stays nimble. So I do think it's really important that we are consistently and constantly putting out updates to show that the market's change. The market's absolutely changing um, every day with new new forces, new competitors, not just in the CMA space, but to the agent. Oh, I mean, across the board, we're, we're board. seeing probably the most transformation and challengers to the industry as we know it that the industry's probably ever faced since the internet. Right. So to me, the tool needs to be, it needs to be rubber. It needs to be completely flexible. You need to be able to adapt it to what that agent needs. And we're a, um, I like to say that our strength has been that we are great listeners mm-hmm. and that we're actively trying to make sure that we're hearing what people want and we're reprioritizing our list. There's a couple features that I would love to add to the tool. Actually, to your question, <laughs> um, we actually did build in our own AVM into the tool where we can give you a suggested price. Mm. I loved it. Every agent hated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it takes the work. Oh, yeah, it does remove them from the process. There is that. Right. Yep. And they said, um, their feedback was, I don't want another tool telling my client how to price. I want to be the one in front of them telling them what their price should be. Hmm. And so we thought about that for a minute and thought, actually, instead of showing our suggested price on that scale, why don't we just show your face? Let's put your face your price right on the scale doesn't get much more empowering than that to say, here's where I think you should price. And here's everything around my price to mm-hmm. support that. So we pivoted in that sense of it wasn't what we thought we were going to be doing. And we spent a ton of time coming up with it. <laughs> but, 
Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously you, you have to be able to do that. And, and we do that. I mean, all the time we're We're going through iterations. Um, you know, even just this last week, we announced a new partnership and going through and, and just reviewing everything of how do people respond to it and what are the changes we're going to be making in this week? Just, you know, it's one week after. So it's like months of work you launch and then the next week, we're tearing down half of what we've built and building back out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that's how you get, that's how you find the, the, that true market fit of what people are looking for, what they need uh, and what that's going to be looking like. Um, I want to uh, shift here a little bit. So um, seven months in, I, I don't know if we talked about this previously, but you know, uh, one of the topics that comes up a lot in real estate tech, prop tech, and all startups is obviously funding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of companies that go through the the venture route, uh, and then there's some that go through the bootstrap route. Um, which route have you chosen to get your company up and off the ground, and and then also what's the the future look like? So to get up and off the ground, it has been completely bootstrapped. Um, we are, it's self-funded. Um, so and then as we've been expanding now, we're looking into what will that look like? We have several, um, partnerships that we're looking into right now. We're also about eval- evaluating various, um, investors. And I think within the next, I think I probably could more directly answer that in about five months. Okay. But right now <laughs> it's kind of, looking into and exploring each, each um, possible route aligned with what are we hoping to do in that next uh, year? Very goal oriented. Mm-hmm. And we definitely have some big goals and some key deadlines for achieving those. So we need to make sure that whichever, whether we continue to bootstrap, whether we partner, whether we take on strategic investor, private equity, whatever the case is, that it, it will help us uh, meet those goals on, on deadline. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I just start doing some in my head unit economics, even at, you know, as a standalone tool, 15 bucks a month, there's what 1.4 million realtor association members. And then there's others outside of that. I think you have a few potential customers out there, so you've got a a pretty sound case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have um, in in that roadmap, we do have some other iterations for it. So uh, Dash CMA is our launch product under the the LLC Confidently. And I like that confidently, but confidently. I heard that. that. (laughs) (laughs) So we do have some other things that we're bringing out in the next year that we're excited about uh, to help kind of keep up the momentum of keep it simple, keep it transparent, keep it um, collaborative. Um, visual, and in, most importantly, empower the agent. That's getting lost, I think, in a lot of the tech. And it's something that, as an agent myself, is really important to me. So as we are looking to put out additional tools that yeah. complement Dash CMA, um, we need to keep those five things or five things important. That's awesome. Actually, I, I didn't know that beforehand. So now, now I got a, a better vision, and I do love the like the the different touch points that you're, you're staying focused on to help guide that direction. Um, I, I would love to get your opinion, also, though. So, I mean, with all the money that is coming to real estate tech, and we're even seeing it for the brokerages, the brokerages, um, some of the big players that have the largest uh, reach, they've got the oldest offices. Why do you think right now is the time 
we're seeing so much investment pour into real estate on the tech side? Um, because I think a lot of the current real estate tools don't hit on those five touch points. And that, those five touch points pretty much embody the current consumer. The current consumer is expecting to get information on demand, not be told, wait, and we'll get it to you as soon as we can. Um, they can get anything on demand at this point. They're expecting an interactive experience. They're expecting to be part of the experience. Uh, your current customer doesn't want to be told, trust me, I'm the expert. They want to know the process. I mean, think about even when you go see a doctor, that is absolutely an expert. And yet you have people going in saying, well, I checked WebMD before coming and it said I have this. And <laughs> so they're, if they're doing that at the doctor's office, they're absolutely taking that approach when they're buying a home as well. They're doing their homework and you have to let them in in some way. And you have to have a toolkit that lets them be part of that process. So I think um, basically with the new wave of technology and the savvy, this new savvy consumer, brokerages have to start pivoting and responding to that so that um, they're still um, needed. Yeah. 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 I, I'm so glad you use the doctor example. There's a really boring book. Um, I wouldn't say it's a good book, but it's a very boring book <laughs> called the death of expertise. Um, and it could have been summarized in like a 10 page paper. I would have been satisfied, but, uh, I trudged through reading it and it really just talked about that point of the availability of information is everywhere. The people who hold positions of expertise no longer just have a given, you know, position of power, position of expertise. It really has to be proven in some way. And, you know, doing that so visually is so much more powerful than doing it audibly. Uh, right. So it, it sounds like, I mean, you're really hitting on that. So, um, yeah, so I don't really recommend uh, people go read that book. Um, <laughs> but Ryan Holiday <laughs> put it on his books to read list. Uh, and so then, of course, I just went mindlessly. Yeah, <laughs> but it was not. I kept reading it like, hey, what's the point of this? I, I never found it. So anyway, um, well, <laughs> let's, I want to get to, uh, we're going to move into uh, the, the bottom segments of the show. These are my favorite parts of the show. Um, we're going to jump into For the Future. This is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Karen, are you ready to play? I think so. <laughs> I'm suddenly right. nervous. I don't know why, but okay. <laughs> it's, it's the buildup. It's the lead up into yeah. it. Um, <laughs> all right. Games, so. <laughs> there we go. Question number one, what does Dash CMA look like one year from now? Oh, okay. Uh, what does Dash CMA look like uh, one year from now? More complete in that uh, it, there's, there's going to be more features added to it. So right now you can tell the difference, see the difference in pricing between having a pool, not having a pool. We're starting to add a lot more features to that so that you can really slice it down and better understand um, what, how features add value. We're also looking at it from the lens of a rental market, from the lender side, from the title side, looking at it from a consumer angle who wants to quickly find out what's my home worth at a glance. So it's going to be a lot, much more robust um, pricing tool on that. Um, and hopefully with some different tie-ins as well from a tech stack perspective so that it can be part of that living, breathing document and experience that you do every day. Awesome. 
Question number two, this is the crystal ball question. What's the housing market look like one year from now? <laughs> I think it depends on your area, for one. Okay. That's yeah. a good political answer. Yeah. So I'd say, but I'm not going to dodge the question. So in, I'm in Los Angeles. So what's the housing market look like in Los Angeles one year from now? I think that we are starting to see definitely a bit of a slowdown. I think we're starting to see some, you know, some more iBuyer presence coming in a bit too. And I think you're going to start seeing tech becoming a much um, bigger presence mm-hmm. in the market. And I think it's going to look, um, homes, the sale of homes is going to look like more like data points in um, a network per se. So I think right now where we look at it as um, property, it's going to be perceived more as data, which I think it should be. It's an investment. So an investment is a line item on my taxes um, and your home should be too. So I do think it's, it's turning into that. And a lot of the, you know, for example, your, your compass perspective and the, a lot of the tools, the Zillow, Redfin, what they're trying to do is kind of supporting that idea of you should be looking at real estate as if, as if it is data and not just necessarily a dwelling unit. Interesting. Uh, I love that take. And I, I think you're, you're, uh, when you said Los Angeles, the iBuyers, that's where Open Door just expanded, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, it, it's, it's funny because in the market here, um, agents aren't necessarily as familiar with iBuyers. I'm familiar with it from going to the different events and so forth and just from yeah. being on the tech side, but it's not, hasn't been a huge presence here. Yeah. Um, so it's been interesting for me to watch kind of how it's being introduced and that um, knee-jerk response to it mm-hmm. and how others are starting to, em- how, how you embrace it and how you bring it into the fold of what you do as an agent. So from the ground up, and that's been, it's, it's been interesting to me, both from an agent side as a tech side, and then also as just a homeowner myself, I'm curious into what it's doing to market values. Yeah. I, I, you know, fill out the lead forms. I'd, I'd love to hear the, the experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Going through it, um, and so that would be. You see, you should do that, and then you you you, you open up Dash CMA and sit with whoever they send out to your house and just show them the, if it matches. Exactly, that's and that's what we're trying to bring in. So that's part of that. Um, one year from now, <laughs> set it up as like a candid camera. <laughs> that would be good. Uh, okay, question number three here: uh, What's one industry trend do you think will continue, but you wish would go away? One industry trend that I wish would continue, no, sorry, will continue. Think, yeah, you think will continue, but you wish would go away. Um, I think, okay, so um, the idea of pricing the home low so that you get multiples. Okay, walk me through this one here because this is a very common strategy. Yes, so pricing is very psychological. and. Um, this idea that if I pr- if I know the property is worth one point or let's go back to if I know it's worth seven hundred thousand there we go instead of pricing <laughs> it full circle <laughs> instead of pricing pricing it at seven hundred thousand there's a trend of let me price it at six hundred thousand and then if we get seven hundred thousand I look awesome because I got a hundred thousand over list price. Mm-hmm. 
but you got what it you got market value for it. And the risk you're taking one is if you don't get it. Yeah. Now you took a property that should have been seven hundred thousand market value, and it got six hundred thousand, and it changed that. It changed that market. Everyone for that whole market. Um, so another, I do think, and this is ironic because I'm in the comp planning, but I do think the way we look, we appraise homes should change a bit. I think it's really ironic that um, what I sell my home worth is heavily based on what everyone else's homes sold for in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a blog post about, you know, joking, kind of joking, but very, you know, honest as well, that to get top dollar for my home, I, if I might, I might, um, I might get more for my home if I put a new roof on my neighbor's home instead of mine. <laughs> and <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't want to be the nicest home on the block. Well, but think about this. If I'm thinking of selling my home for, if I put in all the upgrades, if I painted every wall orange, <laughs> if, I, um, <laughs> if I did all the upgrades and I said, I'm hoping to get 800000 And now my, the, my neighbor who has, the same square footage, same bed count, clearly same neighborhood, and they're thinking of selling their home for six hundred thousand. Yeah. And I have an extra fifty thousand dollars to spend. Should I spend the fifty thousand to get on my own home, or should I maybe try to get them a higher value by investing in, in their home? Now they're the most recent comp. They're definitely the closest comp. They're the most recent perspective in every buyer's eye. Because mm. that's the last one they saw. And then all they remember was, wasn't there a home next door to you priced at 600000 And you're now on the market for 800000 And I have to go explain, well, mine's more updated and I had this and that. Maybe what there's a way you could use this as like buying equity of your neighbor's houses. <laughs> would have been, it would have been better to just help them get the higher value. That's so fascinating to think through. Justify yeah. my, so I do think the appraisal process needs to change a little bit. So that it's not so dependent on the closed properties, which is why when we built Dash CMA, it was really important to also show not just the closed perspective, but show what's happening. Show the active and pending market. This yeah. is your current competition. I'm not competing with a home that sold two months ago. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You've got to look at the pending. You've got to look at the current on the market. And, you know, that's where things like, you know, days on market starts to matter a lot more. Yes. and you know, if it's gone under contract, it's come out of contract multiple times. Hey, you've got an issue here or something along those lines. So on that, we show days on market in two ways. And I think it's really important. Whereas your other tools will look at days on market as one value. We show it from two angles. One, the closed days on market. That's your case studies. That's what's happened. But it's not what it's not what's happening. Mm. I want to know how long are the similar homes to mine sitting on the market? How long have they yeah. been? Totally. So we show active shelf life as well so that you can get a sense of the home that sold two months ago. You're not competing with it, but that you should be aware of it because the yeah. price of the home two months ago is going to be used to help appraise yours. Yeah. Yeah. Not competing with it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. We're going to, we're going to jump to the last one here. Uh, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? Say it again. What's one thing in real estate that I think, <laughs> I think will dramatically change or fade away as a result of technological advances? 
I think this, I think you're for sale by owners, for example. I think you're either going to see a huge increase or a decrease on that. I think basically mm. because of a lot of these, the new rules that are being put on, um, it just even came down as well, um, that involved in terms of disclosures and transparency, it's either going to be much harder to sell your home yourself mm. or it's also because of a lot of these rules, it's going to make it harder for the agent and it's going to make more people want to try it their own their own hand at that so i think we're going to see either a big swing one way or another in uh the person having uh, your individual homeowner having all of these resources to price their home to sell their home to put together a contract and everything they can do to help show it Mm -hmm. will either increase or it'll become much more of a liability for them to do got it all right i love that Okay, we're going to get to the last three. Uh, these questions are designed so our listeners get to learn more about you and watching, those who are watching. I don't think anyone's on right now. Um, that's okay. We're still learning this Facebook Live thing. <laughs> uh, first one. On a Saturday? That's shocking. <laughs> I know, right? What do you think? If you're live, if watching live, good night. It is. Anyway, no, let's just keep on going here. Uh, first one here is, what are you reading? Oh gosh. So <laughs> I am, a, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge I don't, uh, reader. I am a huge um, uh, podcast listener though. Okay. We'll run with that. Pick a podcast. I probably listen to every single How I Built This um, with Guy <laughs> Ross for NPR. I'm fascinated by memoirs and autobiographies. So in terms of what I've read, I've read quite a few. Um, in terms of what I've listened to, I love listening to people's paths and understanding um, what, where they came from, what inspired them along the way. And so that's one I, I love listening to. Um, yeah. Have you heard of the book Getting There? Yes. I just, who was it? I, I, I you know, I didn't find this myself. Someone else was on the show and they gave me, that's why I do this segment. So I get everyone else's, like I get the smartest people's book recommendations. It's kind of great. Uh, but someone else I love that book. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I love the audiobook. So it's funny because the last book I bought, but I haven't read, <laughs> <laughs> is um, The 4-Hour Workweek. And the oh, reason okay. I haven't read it, there's no audiobook for it. And... <laughs> I'm very much, I drive a lot. So I, and I, I constantly have it on the background. I'm always listening to, um, I like to have closure too. So for me, podcasts are much better because I can complete it versus when I start listening to an audiobook and getting there was one of them, or I felt I needed to, um, <laughs> hear it all in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> It's too much. I've been taking my time like a few segments at a time and then calling it good just when I go walk the dog or something like that. Yeah, but I do like that one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, question number two, who are you learning from? I'm learning from everyone. Um, I, it's, I'm learning from, for example, you. Um, when, <laughs> when I started this, everyone told me, you, should talk, you need to talk to him. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that I'm being as much of a sponge as I can. And I'm trying to learn from everyone, have 10 conversations a day um, where yeah. I'm listening and learning. I'd say, um, gosh, I don't- business, you got to work your sphere just as much as a real estate agent? Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so exactly. I, I, I'm trying to make sure that I understand and listen to what everyone else is working on. So I'm part of the uh, Drew Myers Geek Estate uh, Mastermind Group. And Two weeks in a row, Drew gets a shout out. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I love the group. I think um, it's been great kind of, you know, collaborating and hearing others' perspectives. I've made great friends within that group. And I've done some even, you know, different um, practices of running through different feature ideas or pitch um, practice with um, people in that group and kind of also participating in theirs as well. So I'm hesitant to call out specific people because there are so many people I feel that I am learning. There you go. I get it. But I don't want anyone to feel left out. So that's why I'll give a very political answer. And we'll just leave it at Drew. <laughs> uh, last week I did a solo recording and one of my pro tips was uh, if you want to stay up on what's happening in real estate tech to, to get plugged in with Geek Estate. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll give that shout out again. Drew doesn't pay me for that, but every once in a while I do make him grab lunch with me when I'm in Seattle. So that works out. Um, <laughs> all right. Last one here. What inspires you? Um, I'm a very curious person. I'm inspired by create, um, creating. I'm inspired by storytelling. Um, to me, I like problems. I like trying to figure out how you can fix it. I'm a very hands-on person. So I start everything in Excel. Every, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, I'm just pretty much inspired by kind of really um, problem solving. I like the process. I love, so when you said, let's play a game, I'm like, let's play a game. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of love seeing where it takes you and kind of um, not knowing that, but then, yeah. So that's been for me the most uh, inspirational part of this is that get to really create something and have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Kind of to your point before, if it's not useful, it's not necessary. Um, I always say, I don't want to build anything that's just, that's interesting. I hate the word interesting because it's not necessarily actionable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I'm inspired by innovation and curiosity. I can appreciate that. Uh, you know, just interesting is, is fine and dandy, but then I, 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 there was a time where I really had shiny object syndrome. Just yeah. saw a shiny thing and ran to it. And I, I don't know what happened. I think I grew up because uh, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. And now it's like, okay, but what, do, you know, like I'm ultra on the utility of where does it get me? Where does it get someone else? What, what difference does it make? And if it doesn't cross that gap, if it doesn't bridge that gap, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But we got to rethink this here a little bit. Like, right. you know, otherwise... I, I'm not so sure why I would give this my time. Um, I did too. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you being willing to go live. Uh, You talked about that beforehand. I just kind of sprung that on you. Said, "Hey, how do you how do you feel?" Because I'm I'm trying to learn this uh, all the live broadcasts uh, and figure this out. But anyway, um, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you going into detail and sharing a lot about what Dash CMA is doing, your path of where you're headed. Um, and then even some curveball questions, you know, uh, sorry, I threw those out there. I just had to do it before we sign off. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity for people who want to get connected to you or learn more about dash CMA, where do they go and what are the best ways to do that? Sure. So you go, you can send us a note at support at dash CMA.com, or you can go to dash CMA.com right from there. You can see 
how to register for our weekly webinars. You can ask questions, your frequently asked questions, um, ask how to get live for your MLS or start your free trial right from there. So, awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Uh, if you, you want all the links here as well, you can just head to the TechNest website, technest.io, and I'll have all those links below in the description. Um, Karen, thanks so much. Uh, eventually, we'll bump into each other. If you ever make your way to Chicago, let me know. Uh, but until then, uh, we're going to sign off on Facebook here, and then we'll, we'll close out the recording after that. So I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, and we'll see you later. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.